We're still in Exodus, so if you'd like to open your Bibles along with me to Exodus chapter 35, and we'll be picking up in verse 20. Exodus 35, picking up in verse 20. I want to mention that on the bulletin board, as you go outside in the left-hand side, uh, there are clipboards. And so if you'd like to sign up for the men's breakfast, for the women's breakfast, or for the women's luncheon, please put your name down. Now, the men are going to be meeting here at the church for men's breakfast. The women are going to Panera Bread. Now, the reason the men are meeting here is we're spiritual. See, we're going to have a Bible study and, uh, you know, really go before the Lord. The women are just going to go and have fun, you know. So just make sure you sign up. I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, also, next week, at the beginning of both services, we're going to have New Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center here. They are sending a speaker over who's going to talk to us about their ministry. And it is an awesome ministry, giving young women who are pregnant hope. And that's why it's called New Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center. And uh, as all of you know, we're living in a world where we're experiencing a, a holocaust. And that holocaust is aimed at unborn children. And even now, unfortunately, at children that are born. And so we need to make sure that we pray about this, take a stand. But here's the one thing we always have to understand. Those babies that are aborted go right to heaven. Scripture makes that clear. He holds the lambs in his arms. And so the minute that child is aborted, they're with Jesus. But nevertheless, it's against God's will and purpose for this to be taking place. And so... Um, Make sure that you really encourage them. We have a basket downstairs, by the way, and um, New Hope also has an area where young women can come in and for free they can get, pick up diapers and formula and things like that. So if you'd like to contribute, there's a basket down in the fellowship hall, and whenever you have opportunity, you might want to put something in there. Okay, and um, so we are in Exodus chapter 35. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for the Spirit that you so freely give to each one of us. We're born again of the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, and we're redeemed by the Spirit, and we'll eventually be glorified by the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, who is God himself and dwells within us. And I pray, Father, that by that Spirit you would speak to our hearts this morning, that we would hear your voice, that you would encourage us in all your ways and strengthen us to do the work of ministry. Father, there's never been a time in history where the ministry of the Holy Spirit is more important than today. And so, Lord, come and speak to our hearts, encourage us, and give us the willingness to do whatever you call us to do, I pray in Jesus Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. I'm going to show you something, and I know a lot of you are going to be saying, you know, you're going to be using your mind and saying, oh, it's a trick, and you're going to try to give the right answer, and you probably will just because you think it's a trick, or maybe you're so smart you know it's the right answer. But just out of your normal senses, answer this question, okay? Are you ready? Which one's bigger, the blue or the pink? Which one's bigger? Got to say it right. Don't try to figure it out. Which? The blue is bigger, right? Now which one's bigger? They're actually, of course, the same size. These are tracks, by the way, and uh, if you, pretty cool. The point I'm getting at is things are not always what they seem. And we have to realize that God is able to take you and I and use us in ways that we can't imagine. Because in reality, oftentimes, we're like the pink one. 
here. We always see others as being better and more useful than we are. But the reality is we're the same. And God desires to use each one of us the same. And so all we have to do is be willing to open our minds and our hearts to the work of the Lord. Because the work of the ministry, in this case we're going to be looking at the building of the tabernacle, was only done, was only accomplished by those whose hearts were willing, who were stirred by the love of the Lord. And so we have to understand that the same is true today. Serving the Lord, brothers and sisters, is not a burden. It is a privilege. It's a wonderful thing to serve God. Well, I've got to serve the Lord today. No, no. I get to serve the Lord today. I get to be a Christian today. It's so awesome because we always have to keep this in mind. As believers, we have a hope and promise the rest of this world doesn't have. We're going to heaven. It's an absolute fact. It's a certitude. It's not just some hope or belief. It is a certitude. It's a fact. If we pass from this body, we're going to heaven. What a beautiful promise that is. And the reality is that no one is excluded from this promise. No one. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, who's included in anyone? Anyone. <laughs> Who calls upon the name of the Lord. And so therefore if this promise is given to everyone. And God has called you and I to be his workmen. To be his ambassadors. Then we have such a great responsibility to share our faith. Whenever opportunity is given. Here's something that I really encourage you to do. Okay. Every morning. Every morning start off your day. And just say Lord. Open the door for me to share something with someone about you. And if you do that faithfully from your heart, he will. But we have to, as Scripture says, make the most of every opportunity. But allow it to happen naturally. You know, if someone comes up to you and, and says, um, hey, would you mind moving out of the way? You know, you're blocking my, my car in. And you say, oh, that reminds me of a Scripture. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's not the right opportunity. You know what I'm saying? You have to allow the Lord to bring the opportunity. And he will. I guarantee you he will. Just be open to share your faith. And um, the thing we also have to remember, it is only God who has the answer to eternal life. It is only God who has the answer to peace and joy. We talked about in the first service, there's a huge difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is, I feel good about all the things that are happening. But guess what? Sometimes things aren't happening the way you desire them to be happening. But even when things are going totally contrary to what you desire, your heart can still be filled with joy because you belong to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That's what relationship is, to be, is supposed to be all about. Like with my wife and I, even when we're having our little whatever, and even when life seems to be throwing us all kinds of curveballs, I know that I have joy in my relationship with my wife. You follow what I'm saying? That's the promise God has given us. And my joy in the Lord, which is my strength, right? Isn't that what Scripture says? 
The joy of the Lord is our strength. That is something that we can have simply because of who he is, not because of who we are. He's done it all. Just accept it. Just receive it. You know, um, sometimes the Lord humbles us for good reasons. Like yesterday, my uh, nine-year-old granddaughter, Mallory, came over to the house, and she wanted to play jacks, which I agreed to. And we were only going to play the eight C's rather than 12 C's. I don't know if you ever played jacks before, but we're only going to play the eight C's because uh, I knew we didn't have as much time. It takes us a long time. And I was on eight C's, and she was on five C's. I thought I had it wrapped up. And she had her turn, and she went right through, and she won. She went all the way through eight C's. Now, I could have been depressed, you know, because my nine-year-old granddaughter beat me, you know, in jacks. Or I could have just handled it. Well, I was actually depressed for a while. And um, then I came to realize, you know what? Circumstances don't determine my joy. And next time, I'll make sure she doesn't win. But not really. But the point I'm getting at is we have to realize it's the joy of the Lord that is in our heart, our cardiac, our inner man, that is what gives us the peace that we have. It's not our external circumstances. And God desires to use every one of us in the work of ministry. And sometimes we think, well, what do I have to offer God? It's not a matter of what you have to offer God. It's a matter of, are you willing to offer yourself to God? Because God is able to take the raw material that is called you and use you in ways you can't even imagine. There is a man, if, I love reading Christian uh, biographies and autobiographies, and his name was Prane Hyde. And most of you have no idea who I'm talking about, but that's okay. He goes way back uh, to the 1800s. But Prane Hyde, obviously his gift was praying. And so he used to go to where there were camp meetings, and he would take, and, 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 and it's a neat, if you ever want to read a story, Go to Sacred Melodies or online or whatever and get the, the uh, biography, biography of Praying Hyde. And um, Praying Hyde came from a very, very wealthy family back in the 1800s. I think it was before the Civil War. And he and his friends heard that there was an evangelistic meeting that was going to be taking place at this little church. And so they decided to go to disrupt it. They brought tomatoes and things like that. And so they went to this evangelistic meeting at this little church. They had an evangelist in and the guy speaking. And they started throwing tomatoes at him. But that evangelist kept preaching. And it hit, I can't remember what his first name was. What was it? John Hyde. And that hit John right between the eyes. Not like a tomato, it hit him, the truth, right between the eyes. And he realized it and he got saved. And he turned his back on everything, all the money of his, of, of his family and so forth, just to follow the Lord. And his ministry was prayer. So he would go to where camp meetings were taking place, where evangelistic meetings were taking place, and he would go up on a hill all by himself. He had a blanket. It was a special blanket. You, got, you have to read the book. And he'd lay it out, and he'd kneel down on that blanket, and he'd pray through the whole service. And people would get saved. The point I'm getting at 
is what is your ministry? It doesn't have to be some dramatic ministry that everyone sees what you're doing. It could be the simplest thing. And maybe it's the most important thing. So be willing to follow the call of the Lord. And so we're picking up in Exodus 35, verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Remember, Moses first called them all together. He gave them all the commands of God, then he sent them away. And this is where we're picking up, where we are picking up in verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came, listen, whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offerings for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its services, and for the holy garments. They came both men and women. And remember I mentioned uh, at the last service, in the last service, how women are always mentioned in Scripture. The Bible was the first holy book, and it was a message from God that put women on the same footing as men. There's no difference, Jesus said, between male and female. We're all one in Christ. And it's interesting that God, speaking through Moses, specifically not only says men, he says men and women. And uh, so it just shows how, how beautiful our God is. Now, Pick up where I left off here. I lost my place. Tabernacle, immediate service, the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. Keep that in mind. And brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found uh, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, red skins and rams and badger skins, brought them. Remember, that was what the tabernacle was covered with. Everyone who offered an offering of silver, bronze, brought to uh, the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the, uh, of the service. They brought, it all, they brought it. All the women who were gifted artesians spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn and goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones, uh, and the stones set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And spices and oil and the light uh, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a um, freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work with which, uh, uh, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. Now, it's so interesting here because you realize all the congregation were called to Moses. And they were instruct, instructed on the things of the Lord. And then Moses sent them all away. So remember, he called all of them. He gave all of them the wisdom and instruction of the Lord and sent them away. But it's so interesting that it's only those who came back willingly to do the work of the ministry that God used and also endowed with ability and power to do it. And the same is true today. The Lord will never force anyone into serving him. 
It always has to be freely, of our own free will, of our own desire to serve God. And this is the reason in our fellowship, I don't know if you notice, we're never trying to buttonhole people into, into service and to work and try to push people into doing this and try to push people into doing that. We want the Lord to do it. Because anything that we do because we're talked into, we're going to be doing it with the wrong attitude and the wrong heart. We have to be willing to just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would you have me do? And do it. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know what the Lord's calling me to do. Pray about it and simply be willing. There are areas of opportunity that you might not think the Lord would use you in that he will. Just be open. Whether it's a Sunday school teacher, you know, whether it's someone who helps around the church, you know, as far as doing repairs or whether it's whatever it might be, just be open and willing for the Lord to speak to you and to use you. And um, one of the things that I think is so interesting, too, is that it's kind of like in Christianity. I believe there are a lot of people who are saved. They really are born again. They're, they're going to heaven. They're Christians. But they're not used of the Lord because they're unwilling to give of themselves and their time. They're saved, but just saved. You know what I'm saying? And we need to go beyond that and to be willingly used of the Lord. And that means coming to him and saying, God, here I am. Use me. What is it you would have me do? But you have to make that decision on your own. I'm not going to force you into it. The elders aren't going to force you into it. No one's going to force you into it. It's a decision that you need to make. And, of course, this is true today. The Lord calls all of us. But we have to make the decision, are we willing? Now, he still stirs up hearts, as like with the burning bush. Remember the burning bush? And um, Moses was wandering through the wilderness. Wandering through the wilderness. In other words, not having any particular place he was going. And all of a sudden, he saw a bush that was burning, but not being consumed. And he decided to go and see what this strange thing was. That's what Scripture tells us. And he went, and God spoke to him through that burning bush. I mean, he's out in the wilderness, and God speaks to him through a burning bush. And remember what the Lord said to him? He said, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. Well, the Lord desires us, when we approach him, to take off our shoes, the shoes of the world, the shoes of our flesh, the shoes of our own desires and our own processes, and just coming to the Lord and saying, here I am, Lord, use me. What is it you would have me to do? You know, we shared this years ago because there was a time back in the, in the 70s where it seemed like a lot of musicians were getting saved. And so when they came to the Lord, the thought was that they would now become Christian musicians. But the reality is, the Lord called them to himself, not their guitar. You follow what I'm saying? Because many of these people who became so-called Christian musicians, they had two or three Christian songs that they recorded that became very popular in the Christian community. Then they turned around and went right back to the, the life of the world. And they were a discouragement to everyone. The reality is, if God calls us to himself... God calls us to minister in this world. 
it might have nothing to do with whatever your skills are. God can give you the skills, which we're going to read about in a moment. God can give you what you need in order to do the work of ministry. Now, we must never try, never, never, never try to convince people into serving. It has to be a willingness on their part, a call from the Lord. Because if we don't have a willing heart, like you might be thinking, I don't have a willing heart to do anything. I'm saved, I'm glad, I'm going to heaven, but I don't, I don't really want to do anything. Just pray about it. Pray about it. And the Lord might put something on your heart. Like I remember for um, quite a few years, um, Vi and I had a ministry in senior housing, in senior uh, uh, homes. We would do a Bible study, and we had pretty good groups that came to it. And it was one of those things where we just prayed and, and just wanted to make a difference. We wanted to uh, go outside of our comfort zone, outside of our church, to be able to minister to others. And the Lord just, in a lot of unusual circumstances, just opened the door for us to go and have these Bible studies. And we would do it, what was it, on Wednesdays? And we'd go Wednesday early morning to one place and a little bit later Wednesday to another. And it was such a beautiful time not only of us ministering to these seniors that were close to heaven, but also for them to minister to us. There was one woman in this one um, senior facility that we went to who was a retired nun. And she didn't know Jesus. And she got saved. She gave her life to Christ. She wanted me to do her funeral service. So the thing we have to understand is just be willing it might be some place or doing something that you never thought. You know, it's just like with Pastor Frank Jr. and others in our fellowship as well that are involved in the motocross ministry, you know, like Marty and so forth. The Lord has opened up many doors through that. I mean, the Lord has brought people into our fellowship and onto our church grounds that, are, that never knew anything about the Lord, and they're hearing the gospel. Some of these kids are coming to Frank's Wednesday night youth meeting. And so, what does the Lord want you to do? Just be open. And he'll use you. And we also have to keep in mind that not everyone is called to do everything. Okay? Not everyone's called to do everything. And I think sometimes that's what happens. You have, sometimes in churches, you have one person's doing everything. We're all called to do something, but not called to do everything. Just be willing to do whatever the Lord calls you to do. And you know, one of the things that I think is so important is to realize that the Lord might call you in, in, to do something that you think is absolutely useless, like praying Hyde, John Hyde. But it's not. It was, it was the most important. Whatever it is, just be open. And the thing we have to also understand is that on the same hand, um, we, we have to make sure that we don't fail to heed or to hear the Lord's call. Because oftentimes we think, I have no ability. I have no ability to do anything. The fact is, if you make yourself available, he'll give you the ability. He'll give you, and we're going to read about it in just a moment. And um, the Lord never desires, never desires to force anyone 
but he desires to give us the opportunity. It's a chance to serve him. It's a beautiful thing to be able to serve the Lord. And it gives us such peace and joy in our own heart. Just be open. Now we're picking up again in verse 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel. And his uh, nickname was Bez. I'm just joking. Um, Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And listen to this. And he, the Lord, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship to design uh, artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels and settings in carving wood and uh, to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach. Now that's important because the Lord is saying, I don't want just you to do the work. I'm going to give you the ability and the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to do this kind of work, but I want you to teach others as well. They might come alongside of you and help. And that's one of the things we always have to remember in our fellowship as well and, and in our own lives as Christians. Maybe God has given us gifts, but we also have to be willing to impart them to others, to teach others to be able to do the same kinds of things. Now... Um, Then it goes on to say, and he has put uh, in his heart the ability to teach. And then, you ever notice some of these names are so crazy, and you might be thinking, how do you pronounce them? How do you want to pronounce them? You know, I mean, uh, it's actually pronounced Aolib. But the reality is, everybody pronounces it, who knows. Uh, The son, now here goes another one, of Ishamek. Of the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and uh, the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and uh, of the weaver. Those who do every work and those who design artistic works. God gives them the ability. Now, here's what we have to consider in relationship to New Testament believers. If you want to turn along with me to Acts 1 8. It's one of my um, favorite verses of Scripture. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 8. And Acts 1 8 starts off with, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the word there for power in the Greek is dunamis. And the word dunamis is the same word we get dynamite from. So when it talks about you receive power, it's power. You know, it's not just any little power. I mean, it's power. You shall receive power um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow. God gives us the dunamis. God gives us the power that we need to be his witness in the whole world. And then again, if you want to move over to Philippians, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Philippians 2, 13. I love this one. I, actually, I love them all. I love the whole Bible. Philippians 2, 13. For it is God 
who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So your desire and your ability to do, it's all a gift from God for his good pleasure. And so you and I have to understand it's never anything that we're doing on our own. He gives us the power from on high. He gives us the willingness and the ability to do what he's calling us to do. Because, brothers and sisters, we have to understand we're living, you know, in in amazing times. And maybe for such a time as this. Remember the book of Ruth? And for such a time as this, this, we're living in amazing times. Um, I mentioned this last week. We're so caught up in politics that we've lost sight of what's really happening. Jesus is on the very horizon of coming back. You know, it's interesting. Last night, Vi and I were doing our evening devotionals, and we have um, Spurgeon's morning and evening, uh, evening devotional book, and we usually do that as one of our devotions. And he was sharing something from Rev- Revelation, and I'm not trying to feel like, well, I'm just so superior. But you could tell he really didn't get it. Because you have to realize that Spurgeon was writing years before Israel ever became a nation again. And there was a, a movie that was out, and it's, it's based on a true story. It's called Enigma. And it was during World War II. They were trying to ca- crack the code um, you know, that the Russians were using, and they came up with this machine. And Anyway, they finally found the key to cracking the code. So all this gibberish that meant nothing, all of a sudden when the code was cracked, it meant a lot, and they could understand it. And so we have to realize that the key to the enigma of Revelation is Israel. Because back at the time Spurgeon is reading the book of Revelation, and and it's obviously all about Israel, and and how God is going to work through them and in them, and and he's thinking, well, there is no Israel. There, There is no state of Israel. The Jews are scattered throughout the world. And so consequently, it didn't make a lot of sense to him. But now Israel's a nation. And I encourage you to study Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel. All the prophecies concerning the last days are upon us. Even to those nations that are in Syria, north of Israel, just as was prophesied. And brothers and sisters, I'm not... You know, going to tell you any times or dates because no one knows the day nor the hour. But the Bible makes it very clear. Very clear. Jesus commanded us to know the season. We're supposed to know the season. We're in the season. Jesus could return any moment. And we have to make sure that we're willing to do whatever is necessary to serve him. Because what good will all of the materialism of this world mean when Jesus comes for his church. What will it mean? Nothing. And so we have to have that mindset. I want to serve the Lord. And brothers and sisters. If there are any of you here. Who don't know Jesus. This is the day of your salvation. Just commit your life to Christ. Because when Jesus comes back for his church. What Revelation very clearly teaches. When he takes his church out of the world. That God's wrath is going to be poured out upon an unbelieving world. Well, why would God pour out his wrath on this world? Because for 
4,000 years, for actually for 6,000 years, God has just poured out his love. Over and over and over again, he gave man a chance to be reconciled to him over and over. And now this world has gotten to a place where it's unbelievable. Remember what one of the prophecies of the last days is? Good will be taken for evil, and evil will be taken for good. If you don't believe that, just walk into uh, some public building and say, homosexuality is a sin. Watch what happens. You're not going to have people saying, amen, amen, brother. I agree with that. The Bible says homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Neither were liars, neither were thieves, neither were fornicators, neither were adulterers. No, no sin is greater than another. But the reality is there are certain sins that politically are correct now that we can't speak out against. If you say, well, I'm not going to call you sir because your DNA is XX, your chromosomes are XX, you're a woman. I'm not going to call you sir. Oh, that's a hate crime. You're really a bad person. Abortion in New York State now, right up until delivery. In some states, even after the baby is born and the heart's beating. Do you understand how foul that is? Do you realize that is nothing but the worship of Baal? It is paganism in its worst. And it saturates this country and this world. Good is taken for evil. Evil is taken for good. So I have no question why God is going to pour his wrath out on this world. But the thing is, even when God pours his wrath out on this world, brothers and sisters, he's always gracious and merciful. Because understand this, that during the tribulation, when God's wrath is poured out, Scripture is very clear and replete, replete, replete in, in evidence that many people get saved during the tribulation. Many! So many people get saved during the tribulation that the Antichrist formulates a whole program of how to put believers to death. Because the believers are reproducing believers. Well, we're living in that time. What are we going to do? Jesus is calling us to do the work of ministry. And like I said, the question is never if we can, but are we willing? Remember, Bezalel was given the ability by God. It wasn't something that he had. It's not something he went to school for. He was given that ability by God. Now, it's never a matter of, I can't do that. It's a matter of, are you willing to do that? Because there's nothing that's impossible for God, right? Nothing. And so there's nothing that God can't work through you. You just have to be willing. Are you willing? God will work through you. Because God loves to use his people. Now, if we're filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge, as it tells us in this portion of Scripture, to do all manner of workmanship... What is there that God is enabled to work through us? He can give us the skill. He can give us the ability. Tozier. Any of you know who A.W. Tozier is? I've probably read everything he wrote. And uh, 
But I, I wonder how many of you know he only went to eighth grade. Probably not too many of you know he only went to eighth grade. He wasn't qualified to be a pastor. He only went to eighth grade. He didn't qualify according to worldly standards. But God poured out his Holy Spirit on him and used him in such a mighty way. We don't even know how many thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of A.W. Tozier. Do you know D.L. Moody had some of the worst vocabulary you can imagine? He used double redundance and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, put things out of order and this and that. But who was used by, like D.L. Moody? to lead people to Christ. D.L. Moody started the first school for women. Did you know that? First college for women. Well, the whole point I'm trying to make is God can use you, but are you willing to allow him to use you? He still fills believers with his Holy Spirit. And um, anything that's not done in the Spirit is not transferable to heaven. What I'm talking about is anything that's not done in the Spirit is just done in the flesh. And it's just in the flesh you receive any kind of reward. But anything done in the Spirit is transferable to heaven. And so we have to be willing to say, Lord, use me. And the reason I say that, because sometimes if we hear a message and we're kind of stirred by the Lord to do something for him, we all of a sudden want to get out there and just do something. Well, maybe if you, if you want to go out there and just do something, it might not be what the Lord wants you to do. And it might not be he who is calling you. The first thing we have to do is say, Lord, here I am. Use me, Lord. And pray. And just say, God, show me what you would have me do. And if the Lord shows you what to do, then do it. There's so many, I, you know, you can go online. There's so many ministries. Of, there, there is this woman, and she was bedridden as a Christian. We're talking about back in, in the early 1900s, like 1905, and she was bedridden. And she couldn't go out and minister, so you know what she started doing? Writing encouraging notes to people. People were saved. People were encouraged. People grew in the Lord because of her ministry from a sickbed. Just be willing. Maybe your ministry is on your knees. Maybe your ministry is from a sick bed. Maybe your ministry is in a senior center. Maybe your ministry is right here in the church. Whatever it is. The fact is, God wants to use us. You know, I'm not opposed to education. I've been to a lot of schools. I'm not opposed to education. But here's the point. Worldly things can't even compare to spiritual things, to heavenly things. And we, we sometimes get so concerned on, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to achieve this, I've got to achieve that, I've got to go here, I've got to go there. No, no. The only thing you have to do is serve Jesus. That's all you've got to do. Just serve Jesus. And maybe he's going to call you to go here, here, and here. I'm thankful that we have Christian physicians. I'm thank you, thank, well, thankful that we have Christian lawyers. Unusual. I'm thank you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm thankful that we have Christian lawyers. I'm thankful that we have Christian everything. I'm thankful for that. That you can go to someone and be at peace knowing that they're believers. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you go to a, you, you, uh, to a doctor or you go to, you know, whatever it might be, and you find out the person's a believer, there's something that just connects and resounds, isn't there? 
My cardiologist gives me his home number. He calls me to see how I'm doing. And he loves to talk about the Lord with me. Isn't that amazing? So all I'm saying is just say, here I am, Lord, use me. And I promise you, he will. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for each one who's here this morning. I thank you for the way that you use us in works of ministry. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us fresh this morning and that you would fill us with your dunamis, with your ability to do whatever you've called us to do. And so, Father, we give you thanks for our salvation, for the fellowship that we share together, and for the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we pray this all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends.